Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. Welcome, friends, to part two, week two of our series called 21. Some of you guys think it's not 21. It's the, it's the series with the praying hands. Yes, well, regardless what you think, it is the series in which we are focusing for 21 days and really leaning into wanting to get wisdom for the direction and the decisions of our lives, especially all the decisions we're going to have to make this year because we are living in some strange times. And you know and I know, regardless if you're brand new uh, to the faith, brand new to Mosaic, I know something about you. You need direction. You need direction just as much as I need direction. And we need wisdom on all the things. Like, for example, as just people trying to navigate this virus, trying to make decisions for ourselves and our families, our loved ones. Man, do we need wisdom. I mean, for some of you as parents, trying to figure out what's the best decision to make for your kids in the middle of a pandemic, and for single parents, man, just just how how, how do you not get overwhelmed? We need direction. We need wisdom, don't we? Maybe even as students, as a student, you're as a college student, you're trying to navigate school work, future, self-discovery, all the things. You need wisdom, don't we? We, we, As a single adult, as a single adult, you're thinking, oh my gosh, how do I navigate relationships in in the middle of a social distance uh, culture? How, How do you do that? Maybe even as a CEO or someone who leads people as a coach or a teacher or a manager, you're, you're trying to make decisions that impact people's lives in these strange times. Guess what? We all need wisdom, and that's why. That's why at the beginning of the year we decided we're going to lean in and hear from heaven, seek God for the decisions of our lives, seek wisdom, because he wants to give us wisdom. Let me jump into this because I think it's so important. It's so important for us to know this because you know and I know that decisions can either fulfill a dream or they can lead us into a ditch, maybe even a detour for a long period of time and lead us in a place where we do not want to be. And so therefore we need to press in. And I, I've been doing this. So I started uh, you know, 21 days we started, and I started fasting and praying, and, and we're encouraging all of you to actually do that, to maybe start a routine, do something in particular intentional to, to lean in. So for some of you, it might be like uh, wanting to just start a Bible routine. I think some of you guys are doing that, like reading the Bible routinely, daily. That's amazing. And for those of you who have not, and you're wondering, man, I'm not quite sure how to do this, 
Uversion, uversion.com. It's, um, it's a website, but it's also an app, and it's got so many devotionals that you can just download, check in, check on, look at. Definitely do yourself a favor. Let's lean in, make some, uh, make some uh, habits of really seeking God. As a church, we've been doing this as well. If you are on social media, you know that uh, on Instagram, we go live uh, every weekday at 9 o'clock, and we've been praying together. As a staff, even, we're, every weekday we're praying together. We're really using this uh, 21 days to be extremely intentional because we believe that breakthroughs sometimes take 21 days, which leads us to our passage that we uh, kicked off with last week. So Daniel chapter 10, if you remember it, basically this is a conversation that Daniel has with an angel, and here's what the angel says. Since the first day, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your requests has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Now, a lot of things happening over there. Obviously, a little peek into the supernatural, but then the mention of the fact that our voices are heard in heaven, but the question is, do we hear heaven? And sometimes it takes 21 days for some kind of breakthrough. I mean, this is naturally true in terms of habits, creating them or breaking them. But man, what would it look like for us to really lean into this? And so as I've been telling you and encouraging you to uh, have daily uh, routines, my talks starting from last week have not been super practical. I mean, I know some of you guys like, I was really looking for some more practical uh, how to do steps. Now, here's the thing. To do steps and how to do stuff, there are so many people out there that have done a better job in giving you a step-by-step guide to what you should do, how to read the Bible, how to pray. I mean, they got all the books out there. My uh, sermons and our sermons here uh, in this series are truly about what are we going to face as we begin to hear God. And so last week, uh, I challenged you with the fact that when you hear God, expect that God is going to ask you to make a move. This, uh, this morning, what I want to do is challenge you that when you hear God, just expect him to to talk about, to bring up the one thing, the one thing that will, in fact, keep you from his help. Now, if you wonder, hold on, what now? Did I just hear you say that there is, a one, there is one thing that keeps us from God's best or God's help? Yes, there is. Uh, what do you think it is? Some of you guys are like, I know, of course, man, it's sin, it's sin. Well, not necessarily. It can be a sin, but it's not necessarily all just, just sin. Let me explain. Let me read you this passage of Scripture right here. James 4 says this, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 3 says this, he This is God. He has no use for conceited people, but shows favor to those who are humble. So, what is that one thing that'll keep you from God's help? What is the one thing that actually causes God to resist you? It's pride. I'm not talking about the pride that's healthy, 
that you have in yourself and other people. I'm talking about the unhealthy pride. I'm talking about the carb-filled, it contains saturated fat, uh, possesses toxins, loaded with sodium. You know what I'm saying? It tastes good, but it's bad for you. I'm talking about the cancer-causing pride. Obviously, I've been fasting, and I've been thinking of food, so I know, I know. Okay? But this pride is a pride that's prejudice. I mean, it really is. It's, it's a pride that's stubborn. It's rude. It's, it's superficial. It's, it's obsessed with attention. It's, it's obnoxiously competitive. That kind of pride. See, that is the pride that really will mess us up. And it will cause us to do things and act a certain way that not becoming of who we want to be. Has pride ever, has your ego ever made you do something that's just dumb? Dumb, dumb, dumb. Okay, I, I, it's, I've done it. I remember trying to impress a bunch of youth by getting on top of a skateboard. Now, back in the day, 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 I used to skateboard, and I got on there, and I went down this hill. Friends, it was not a good day. It wasn't even a good week or month. Uh, I mean, I'm not quite sure, sure what uh, hurt m- most, like my pride or everything uh, in my body. But it was dumb. And, I'm, and I've been thinking about this. I've done some really dumb things because of pride. Have you? Have you? Uh, this kind of pride makes us do some certain things, and then also it changes us. Like, it makes us play the victim. For some of us, it makes us do that. It makes us basically uh, um, uh, believe that there's always someone out there trying to reject us. This kind of pride also causes us to be self-absorbed. I mean, continually worrying, worrying about, uh, man, just people and self-image. It causes us to be uh, perfectionist. We don't even try something knowing that maybe, just maybe, we're not going to be perfect at it, so we don't want to do it because we don't want to come across a certain way. This kind of pride just t- taps in to all of our emotions and takes over. And in the age that we're living in, in the culture we're living in, with social media, man, it's so tough, isn't it? Because everybody is recording everything, and you know that you want to come across the best way. Friends, what is that? That is the unhealthy, the toxic, the cancer-causing pride that wants to just come in and take us. See, eventually this kind of pride, it, 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 it makes us lie and pretend it, it, in fact, it deceives us, and it causes us to deceive other people, and then it, it, it causes us to be just fake, superficial people. It changes the facts, and, then we, and it makes us make up a story that we just want to believe. That kind of pride I'm talking about. You see, I believe that if you were to just listen, God could be whispering this to you. When he looks at your life, and when you think about your life, maybe God is saying, hey, could it be possible, could it be possible that it's not this pandemic and not the people and the problems in your life that are causing you to be stuck right now? It's your pride. The reason why you lo- you're, you've lost opportunities, you've lost relationships, it's not because of all the other problems. It's your pride. Could God be talking to you and me about this toxic pride, this ego that we carry around. See, it's the one thing that God has no time for, right? 
It's the one thing that God, in fact, resists. But what he does he do? He gives grace to the humble. So as we dive into this, I, I want to take us to an Old Testament story. And I don't talk a lot about the Old Testament because some of the stories are just whack, people. I don't even know. Because some of you guys are like, I don't, is this even true? The, the beautiful thing about the Old Testament stories, regardless if you think they're true and all of them are true or whatever, or they're stories or, or you know, whatever, the, the reality is that the Scriptures give us those stories to challenge us to become the people that God wants us to be. So in the middle of the story, we find God speaking to us, and I know that God's going to speak to us through this story. So just jump right in. It's Second Kings, not First Kings, Second Kings chapter 5, and it's a story about this guy named Nahum. So Nahum was a commander-in-chief. I mean, he was, in fact, the guy. He was, uh, he was a big deal. He had a lot of victories. He was this guy who was uh, working for a Syrian king. Now, Syrian, which is Arab king, but he was working for that guy. But now, if you know anything about Jewish history, it got really complicated because they were kind of connected to Arab world, was connected to the Jewish world, and back in the day, it was not that clearly defined. But this guy was, I just want you to know, for your sake of the story, he lived in an Arab uh, part of the world, and so not Jewish, not Jewish, even though there was some uh, you know, crossover here and there. Great guy, in a sense, like as in very successful, but he had one issue. So let's jump in. What was the issue? It says here, verse 1, it says, Though Nahum was a great warrior, he suffered from leprosy. So he had this, this, this disease. It was not just uh, extremely dangerous, but in fact, it was kind of embarrassing. Leprosy was considered just like God's curse on you in a sense. And so he had everything going for him, but he had leprosy. Well, the story tells us that, that he had um, a maid who was uh, Jewish and basically told him of a person who could heal him, a prophet that could heal him, but he lived in like the, the Jewish part of the world. And so he was like, okay, what do I need to do? And he said, hey, I think you need to go to and see this particular guy, and his name is Elisha. Now, if you might have heard of that guy, and he's done some amazing stories, but in this, in this particular story, he says he's convinced that he could maybe go and there could be healing found in him. And so he goes and talks to his king. He talks to his king who loves him, who supports him, and says, hey, there is a chance that I could get healed. Can I go? And so here's what the king says. Verse 5, go, go, and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send letter, a, a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So I'm going I'm to clear the way for you. Okay, I'm going to make this happen. I want you to experience this. And then what happened? So, so, it says, Nahum started out carrying as gifts 70, I mean, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. I mean, 
the king is sending him loaded with stuff. And this is very important to the story. I mean, loaded with so much gold, so much silver, and so much, I mean, sets of luxury clothing here we're talking about. I mean, I'm talking Louis Vuitton, sure, okay? I don't know, of course, sure. Maybe he was. And then what happens? So verse 6 says, The letter to the king of Israel said this, With this letter I present my servant Nahum. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Now, the story is pretty interesting because he goes to this other king, right? He goes to this king of Israel, and the king of Israel sees this letter and goes like, I'm, I can't do anything here. I'm, I don't know what's going to, I, I mean, what, is this a power play? I mean, I mean, this is how politics works. I mean, what, what's he trying to do? Is he trying to play a game because he's giving me all this gold? I can't do anything here. And, I, I, you know, stuff like this leads to war. What's happening here? And he's like, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do this. But this prophet, Elisha, saves the day. So verse 8, it says here, But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, they're pretty dramatic back then, okay? And he sent, he sent his, this message to him. Why are you so upset? He's like, calm down, relax, Usah. You got, it's all good, it's all good. Send Nahum to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. I mean, there's a lot of power play, a lot of pride in all of this going on. He's like, hey, hey, send him to me. I'll take care of him. I got you. So what happens is the king, if you read the story, the king sends all the gifts. He's like, I don't want anything part of this. Just, just go, go, go for it. And so verse 9, Nahum says, he went to, with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. So he shows up. Okay, so what happens after that? But Elisha, this is interesting, but Elisha sends a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of leprosy. Okay, that's good, right? But what happens right after that? If you read the story, verse 11 says, but Nahum became what? Angry. He became angry, and, he, and, I, and you know why. I mean, did you see what happened there? Here's what he says. He got angry because he said, I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said, and I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Basically, Nahum is upset because, number one, did you notice Elisha didn't even come out to greet him. He sent a messenger, and make sure you remember this messenger because it, 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 he's part of the story later on. So he doesn't even come to the door to this great commander. He tells him, hey, go do this. Secondly, he wants him to go bathe in a public place. And by the way, not his hometown, no, in a different territory. He is a commander I mean, a military guy, okay, he, he has overtaken lands. He is in a foreign land, and now the guy tells him, uh, the prophet tells him, here's how you want to get healed. Take off your clothes in public. By the way, he had what? Leprosy. Friends, that is, that, that's devastating. To, to be, you're already ashamed of what your body 
looks like, and now you have to take a bath in front of, again, your soldiers? I mean, just think of what's happening here. Of course he got mad. Of course, because what did he expect? He expected for Elisha just to wave his hand, like, I'm not taking off any clothes. We're going to do this in private. This is not going to be a public thing. It's not going to happen. And, I mean, I'm sure he was like, Praise God we don't have Instagram because people are going to be taking stories of this and posting them everywhere. But he was like ticked off. And the story tells us right there, he walked away. He left. He took off. Why? Because, man, it's not what I wanted to ask me to be so exposed and vulnerable in front of people. I mean, come on. I mean, I personally... I have ashy knees. Let me just tell you right now. I have ashy knees. I don't know why. I have no idea. For some of you guys, you're like, what? You have what? Some of you understand, okay? As a brown person, I got ashy knees. And man, in the winter, they get crazy. I'm like, what is going on with my knees? I, in fact, I had to put like lotion just to work out. I'm like, I am so like paranoid about how my knees look like. It's, it's a dumb, it's dumb, whatever, whatever. So I can just imagine, nay, I'm going, I'm not doing this in public. I really want to take the side of Nahum, right? But what happens? So he walks away. He walks away. But verse 13 says, his officers, his people, right, who came with him, tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Basically like, hey, 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 if this was something like dangerous. If you were told you, hey, we want you to go and hunt, you know, like uh, three bears and kill two lions, would you go and do it? And he's like, yeah, of course I'd do it. Of course I'd do it. He said, if he, if he told you this, you would have done it. So, so should you certainly not obey when he simp- says simply, go and wash and be cured? So basically they were like, hey, they, they, they go, this isn't difficult. You, you can do this. You can do this. And so right there, Nahum had to choose, had to make a decision. And so what happens here? In verse 14 says, So Nahum went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times, because that's what he told him to do, dip seven times, as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Wow. He was healed. Some of you guys are like, I mean, wow, Uh, I will dip myself anywhere seven times if I'm going to get a skin of, what what is it, a young child. Sign me up. No more Botox for me, baby. No fine lines. I'm doing this. I'm going to save a lot of money. I will dip myself in anything. So sorry, I I don't think it happens anymore. You can try going to the Jordan River. I think right now Israel is like, no one's coming to Israel because of COVID. Whatever. I don't know. But the story is what? He gets healed. He gets healed. So what did, what did Nahum um, do? See, he had pride, but he chose humility. He chose to be humble, humble enough to listen and to change his mind. Man, in fact, the story is, is that he goes back and he's like, he finally does talk to Elijah, and he's so thankful, so grateful. In fact, he tries to, in fact, p- 
pay him, like give him all the gold, give him all of that, all the stuff. But Elijah did not want any part of it. But let's just think about this for a second. He could have chosen to just walk away and be mad. See, some of us, I think God's showing us some things and we have walked away because we're mad. God didn't show up the way we wanted him to. God didn't um, kind of do the miracle the way we wanted him to do the miracle. He's asking us to do some things right now. There's, they're publicly just extremely vulnerable and we're like, I don't know if I want to do this. I will be fully exposed. I don't want to do this. And here is this general of generals going, I'll do it. I'll do it. He chose Humility. He chose humility. And I wonder, have we walked away from, for some things? Have we walked away from opportunities, relationships? Are we walking away right now? Are we in the middle of a moment that we're choosing not to be humble? We're choosing not to be humble. Or is God saying, hey, when it comes to this, I want you to be humble. I want you to do the things I've I've asked you to do. I not, not one time, no, I want you to dip seven times. I know you've tried this before. I want you to do it again. And then I want you to do it again. And I want you to do it again. And I want you to do it again. No, why can't you heal me in my own space? No, I want you to go to a different land. No, I want you to go here. Yeah, 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 but, but I mean, I mean the, guy, the, the, but the, the guy even didn't even talk to me. Like how many of us have, have just been offended by people's reactions. I fear that some of us have hung on to offense instead of getting a blessing. we rather hang on to the offense. How dare they talk to me like that? How dare he not even look at me? How dare she did this? How dare they say that? How dare, how dare, how dare, how dare? Nahum did not choose to hold on to offense because when you're humble, you choose not to hold on to offense. How many of us are holding on to things? And it's keeping us from God's best. It's keeping us from what God wants us to do. So he had pride, puff up, come up. We all do. He chose humility. What happens when we don't choose humility? Some of you guys are thinking, yeah, you're humiliated or something, or, or you just keep your pride. Uh, yeah, you know, you keep your pride, but what happens when you and I just kind of keep our pride? When we go, you know what, I'm just going to hold on because I'm right. I'm, I'm going to hold on because I'm, I, I want to come across a certain way. I, I'm not going to do this. We hold on, we're stubborn and we're rude and we just keep on at it. What happens? Something changes in us, friends as the story illustrates so well. So, go back to the story. Now you've got Nahum, who is so excited he is healed. He offered to pay to give all the gold, the silver, and the Gucci to, you know, our boy, Elisha. Elisha goes, nah, it's all good. But there's another person in that story, that messenger. Remember that messenger who talked to Nahum? for Elisha. His name is Gehazi. And so let's pick it up. Let's pick it up. Verse 20 says, but Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, uh, the man of God, said to himself, my servant should not, should not have let this uh, Amin get away without accepting any of his gifts. 
And then he says this, as surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. Now, did you, did you hear what I just read? This guy, Gehazi, believes that his master, the, 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 the prophet, made a mistake. He shouldn't have refused all the silver, all that gold, and all that Gucci. And so he goes, uh, I believe that God wants, because surely as the Lord lives, um, I'm, God wants me to go and get something from him. And so if you continue on with the story, he does. He goes, he makes up a story he shows up, talks to Nahum again, and says, hey, 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 I know you're going to leave, but let, let me just, you know, I'll be, uh, actually my master kind of changed his mind, so uh, can I have some of that? And so he gets some of that gold, and he stores it away. That's what happens. And so verse 25, we see that when he, it says, when he went into uh, his master, showed up, uh, so Elijah asked him, where have you been? Where have you been, Gehazi? And he says this, which is hilarious. He says, I haven't been anywhere. I haven't been anywhere. See, that's how you know people are lying. You know when your kids are lying, when you're like, what are you doing? I'm not doing anything. Where you been? I haven't been anywhere. Like when you say something like that, you know, you know you've been up to something and you've been somewhere. Verse 26, and then Elisha says, Elisha says this. He says, uh, don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Nahum stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Uh, you were there? Oh, you mean in spirit. Of course, this, guy's, this prophet does supernatural stuff. You work for him. You've been his guy for a long time. Don't you think he's got like, I don't know, the some kind of supernatural sonar, something. Yes, of course he knows. You're going to get found out. But why did he do it? Why would something like this um, be uh, something that he would do? It's pride. See, pride makes us do some dumb things, but when you don't choose to be humble when it comes to pride, you choose uh, knowingly or unknowingly, you and I choose to step into entitlement. And so he stepped right into it. Basically, he said this to himself, I deserve this. When someone um, feels entitled, this is what they say. They go, I deserve this. I'm going to get mine. I should get this. God owes me. And basically, this guy, Gehazi, is saying, I've been working for so long for church. I've been doing for so many things for God. I've been doing these things for you know, this guy. And you know what? I, I deserve this kind of treatment. I deserve this kind of money. God owes me. Yeah, God owes me a blessing. I said it. He owes me something. And so I'll tell you what. If I'm going to believe that, I'm just going to go and figure out how to make that happen. And so he does exactly that. You see, spiritual entitlement basically says, I've been putting up with, I've been working so hard, I've been faithful so long, I deserve this. And so what it does first, it deceives us, and then it gives us permission to deceive other people. And I know for some of you, you're like, but yeah, but he stole from, I mean, from, from uh, you know, a godly man. Like, I mean, I don't know, I, I get people stealing and robbing or lying, about, but when it comes to church, man, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I don't think I would ever do that. And before we write ourselves off and we go, hey, we would never do that. We would never rob. 
People do rob churches. You know that, right? I mean, like, I'm not talking about church people rob church, churches. I mean, I guess they kind of do. Maybe they do, in fact. Did you know that, by the way, there were a string of, like, burglary, uh, like break-ins happening at Mosaic, like, several years ago? Like, we, uh, like, you know, one side of our building is all glass. And, and so, man, week after week, not, well, uh, I would say month after month, uh, someone would come in, break in, and try to steal some of our TVs. In fact, we stopped putting, uh, like, flat screen TVs uh, in the lobby just because of that. Crazy, right? People stealing from church. You're like, I can't believe that's happening. Did you also know that there was this uh, uh, company that, uh, that uh, basically managed our, you know, payroll and uh, because, you know, we, uh, um, we farmed that out. And uh, yeah, this company had an employee that stole half a million dollars, yeah, from all the churches that they were their clients. This person basically worked for a Christian company and believed that, you know what, they weren't getting paid enough from the church, so they began stealing from other churches. They stole about a hundred grand from us. Now, we got it back, but man, how were they justified? Well, because entitlement does exactly that. It deceives, deceives us, um, and then it gives us permission to deceive other people as well. I wonder, I wonder right now how many of us have stepped into spiritual entitlement. We feel justified for our behavior right now. You know what? Uh, something's happened. Something did, somebody did something to us, and, uh, or we, and we have an opportunity to be humble, but we're choosing entitlement. We're choosing to justify our anger, our hatred, our offense right now. Man, could you and I be stepping into in entitlement? See, it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well at all. In fact, if you read the story, it says this. It says, but when Elisha asked him, he says, you don't realize I was there in spirit. Then he tells him this. He tells him, because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Nahum's leprosy forever. And when Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was as white as snow. Could it be possible that we are allowing some curses in our life because of some of the things we are justifying right now? Are we maybe even walking away from blessings just because we want to hold on to our anger. Could God be talking to you right now about something and you're choosing to hold on to that? Proverbs 11 says this, pride leads to disgrace, but humility comes, with humility comes wisdom. Man, what if you and I would say, you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that when I hear God speak, and when I'm given a choice, and when my pride kind of wells up, I'm going to choose to be humble. What would it look like for you to do that? What would it look like for me to do that? That's what we need, because we need God's wisdom 
for the decisions that we're going to make in our life. That's my prayer for us, that we would choose humility because with humility comes wisdom, and man, we need it. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this conversation. I pray that, God, that you would remind us, remind us, God, to choose humility when it comes to our pride, when our ego has been offended, when we, our feelings have been hurt, when we, when we feel justified in our offense, in our anger, in our hatred, in our dislike, in our attitude, when we feel these things, when we, we begin to deceive ourselves, and when you show us that some of the things that we are doing, even right now, are not good for our souls, God, we would choose to be humble. And because we choose to be humble, we are we, we get healed. We get breakthroughs, God, and we get your help. God, we know that you, you give grace to the humble, but you can't do anything with the prideful. So God, I pray that we will become people who will be used by you because we walk in humility. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.